Welcome to the Sooner Nation podcast. I am Matt Hofeld. Heartland-sports.com is where you can find us on the internet. On Twitter, we are at Sports Heartland. Thank you so much for being here and being a part of this podcast. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. You don't have to send me a message on Twitter. You don't have to email me. By the way, you can. Heartland underscore sports at yahoo.com. It's been a while. It's been like almost two weeks. I get that. And I'm sorry for that, but if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, uh, you probably know that my travel schedule gets kind of crazy, and sometimes I get sent to parts of the world where there is no Wi-Fi, and it is really, really hard, really, really hard to do a podcast when you don't have internet. But I'm back, and we're back, and we got a lot to talk about. Um, we got to talk about Oklahoma not taking a backseat to the Texas Longhorns. Um, also, we're going to give you a kind of a quick breakdown of Oklahoma's 2020 recruiting class. I know that's a little bit of old news, but I got some thoughts I want to share with you on that. Oklahoma basketball, listen, they're on track for the NCAA tournament. They are on track, and that is a good thing for Lon Kruger, doing a great job coaching this team, a team that a lot of people kind of thought was was dead in the water. Um, and I'm going to talk a little bit about a name you need to know if you're into spring sports. Oklahoma softball has started. Baseball's coming up. But a name you need to be familiar with before you jump in to the Oklahoma softball bandwagon in May. And I'm going to close it out by telling you I've got evidence, and you've already seen it. Maybe you didn't know it, but I've got evidence of what a great job Lincoln Riley did in 2019 coaching the Oklahoma Sooners. Thanks so much for being a part of the show. This is the Sooner Nation Podcast. Well, okay, let's jump Let's jump right into this and start with recruiting. Oklahoma finishing up the 2020 recruiting cycle. The Sooners number 11 in the nation with their 2020 recruiting class. Number two in the Big 12, and here lies the rub. It's almost as if there's a small sense of panic amongst Oklahoma fans that the Sooners for the third year in a row are behind the Texas Longhorns in the Big 12 rankings and obviously nationally rankings as well. But the thing is, is this isn't a big deal. It's certainly not as big of a deal as what the Texas Longhorns would want you to think it is. And it's not as big of a deal as some of the Oklahoma fans who are, like I said, pushing that panic button a little bit, thinking that it is as well. Let me tell you why. When it comes to recruiting, Texas Texas is selling a perception. They're they're not selling a reality. They're selling a perception. This is what the perception of this program is. That's why they had to borrow trophies from other sports programs within the Texas Athletic Department to do their National Signing Day video. Did you see all those Big 12 championship trophies that were lined up behind all these Texas players? The last I checked, the Longhorns don't have that many trophies in their trophy case. But they're trying to sell they're trying to sell a perception. That's why you're hearing from Texas that winning the Alamo Bowl is equivalent or greater than playing in the college football playoff. And so you're going to hear Joe Texas fan and you're going to hear the coaches and you're going to hear the recruiting coordinators try to sell the fact that Texas is a program on the rise, which how long, how many years in a row has this been now? That Texas is a program that's on the rise. They're, they're, they're coming up. 
They're the team that everyone wants to be a part of. They're the team that has the accomplishments. They're the team that that you know they 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 won their bowl game. The rest of the Big 12 lost. Let's just forget about the fact. Let's just let's just for a second just set aside and pretend it doesn't exist that that bowl game that they won was the Alamo Bowl and the bowl game that Oklahoma lost was a college football playoff. And in, uh, there is not a plane outside of Austin, Texas, in which those two things carry equal weight. N- not that, not that you know, other bowl games are unimportant. They, they all. I mean, every bowl game carries weight. You'd rather be in the Alamo Bowl or the Boise, Idaho Potato Bowl as to not going bowling at all. So every every bowl game carries weight. But only four teams, only four teams get to play in a game that provides a pathway to a championship. It only happens to four teams. And to this point, Texas has not been one of those four teams. So they're selling perception. Where Oklahoma... Oklahoma's selling championships. You want to count them? See, Oklahoma can line their recruits up in front of a real trophy case. They can line their recruits up with with football trophies that they've actually won. Oklahoma can sell them the reality that as the Big 12 champ, they, they make the college football playoff. And Texas would still rather sell you on this idea that winning the Alamo Bowl is just as good, if not better, than going to the college football playoff and losing to the eventual national champion. That That's the perception that Texas is selling. And, and when you look at recruits, I, I'm a firm believer when it comes to recruiting, regardless of the sport, when it comes to recruiting, I think you look at two things. I, I really, I do. I, I believe there are two factors, two things that factor in heavily on a recruit's decision. The first thing that factors in is going to be how much that recruit, how much much are they a fan of that program? Why is Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State University? Chuba Hubbard's going to go into the 2020 college football season as the top running back. He's going to be on the Heisman shortlist. He is possibly the best running back in the Big 12. And he's playing at Oklahoma State. Why is that? Because Chuba Hubbard grew up an Oklahoma State football fan. That I mean, that's, that's, that's what it comes down to. Why did Baker Mayfield come to Oklahoma? He grew up an Oklahoma football fan. So being a fan of a team plays in to this recruiting cycle. But another thing that plays into it is opportunity. I mean, the opportunity for a kid to come in and be an an immediate contributor or be on the short list to contribute the following year, to be able to to fight his way to, you know, battle it out the following spring after a redshirt season. Those are all things that contribute, that play into uh, the 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 decision making of a kid whether he's going to go play at this university or that university or over there. 
That's why Brock Vandergriff is at Georgia right now. Brock Vandergriff was, is the top quarterback for the 2021 class. He had been committed to Oklahoma. And then he starts seeing a couple of things. Namely, Spencer Rattler. And the way that some of these players have already began to adapt to Spencer Rattler as their unquestioned leader. The way the Sooner Nation has already kind of embraced him as the future of this offense, the, the next the next Lincoln Riley disciple. And so Brock, so Brock Vandergriff, he looks at this and he thinks, I can go to Oklahoma and I'm going to sit behind Spencer Rattler for two, maybe three years. You can see what Spencer Rattler does in 2020 and you know he's going to be there 2021 and most likely 2022. 2023 is a question mark, but do you want to do that? And then he sees what's happening at Georgia, where Jake Fromm is looking at going to the NFL, and then Georgia gets a transfer quarterback who's a one-year stopgap. So Brock Vandergriff gets to go to Georgia. He's going to go to Athens, and he'll immediately compete. Immediately he'll compete. That's what kids look at. And when you, why am I telling you all this? Because when you break all of this down and you think about Oklahoma, you think about Texas, you think about the Sooners just being on the outside of the top 10 nationally with this recruiting class being just behind Texas in the Big 12 and just behind Texas nationally. Here's what it came down to it came down to the talent stack and what the opportunity is at the University of Texas. You need an example of this? Texas signed one five-star recruit. In fact, it's the only five-star recruit that the Big 12 landed this recruiting cycle. There's only one in the Big 12, and it's at the University of Texas. You want to guess what position? Running back. When's the last time Texas had a running back? Seriously, I mean, it's, it's a legitimate question. When is the last time Texas had a running back that you thought, holy cow, this guy's good? This guy's going to be on the Doug Walker award list. This guy, I mean, he, he's he's all-conference, preseason all-conference. When's the last time that guy was in Austin, Texas? Because he's been in Norman for, for quite some time. He's been in Stillwater. He's not been in Austin, Texas. And, and make no bones about it, it hurt the University of Oklahoma that Jace McClellan decided to switch his commitment and go to Alabama. That hurt. I think this this is a, a moot point conversationally. If McClellan is up honoring his commitment and not flipping to Alabama. But he did. And, and, and the reason why he did is because he saw the depth chart. He saw the talent that's there. Kennedy Brooks coming back. Trey Sermon, going to be healthy and coming back. Marcus Major, Pledger. I mean, you're, in, you know, you're, you're looking at this, and, and, you're, and you're Jace McGowan, and you're thinking, man, I'm coming in with another running back as well. This, this is a deep and stacked stable of running backs. So the talent stack here is different, even than, than what's in Alabama. You got two blue blood programs that are wanting you, and one blue blood has a shorter line to get on the field. That's a no brainer. 
And so the key position, the key position that that put Texas over the top in Big 12 recruiting and nationally, but over the top for the top for the number one team in the Big 12 was running back. And it's, it, I mean, there's an open door at the University of Texas for running backs. And so, I mean, look, you, you look at the talent stack, and the talent stack right there dictates. It dictates what what you what you're going to be able to bring in. Oklahoma, you you want to know you want to know what Oklahoma went after? They went after linemen on both sides of the ball. Why? Well, because Oklahoma just had four guys and from 2018 go to the NFL. You're losing R.J. Proctor to the NFL this season. So you got four out of five starters coming back in 2020. But then guess what? You're losing four guys again next season to the NFL. And so there's, there is an open door. And then uh, there's a this window of opportunity for offensive linemen at the University of Oklahoma and defensive linemen. You got the, the, the top two junior college defensive linemen in the nation picked Oklahoma. Why? It's not like Oklahoma has just been setting the world on fire defensively, but you got two junior college defensive linemen who recognize that there's a turnaround coming with Oklahoma's defense, and they recognize this window of opportunity for them to come in and immediately have a spot, have a spot on the field. So when you're looking at recruiting rankings, look all you want. But the, th- the thing is, it, the talent stack matters when it comes to recruiting. And running back was, was the main difference in this recruiting class. And Texas got the five-star. And, and kudos to Texas. I mean, seriously, kudos to Texas for getting the five-star. But they got the five-star because there was an immediate opening. And that's, I mean, that's just the way it is. Texas, 19 commitments. Oklahoma, 23 commitments. The Longhorns have 14 four-star commitments. Oklahoma, 14 four-star commitments. According, this is 24-7 sports. The Longhorns with four three-star commitments. Oklahoma with nine three-star commitments. So do you tell me what the difference is? The, tip, the difference is where there was an opening. So I'm sorry, I'm not buying it. I'm not. I'm not buying it. Congratulations, Texas. You won. As Brian Carrington tweeted out, the the recruiting coordinator for Texas, you won your third consecutive recruiting championship. But Texas fans are still waiting for that to turn into a Big Twelve championship. And and the majority of the Big Twelve, particularly in Norman, Oklahoma. But the majority of the Big 12, they're not, they're not taking Texas seriously on recruiting until Texas starts winning something, something greater than the Alamo Bowl. Yeah, and, and you, I know, I know, te- Texas fan is going to throw out there the, the Sugar Bowl the year before against Georgia. I, I know you're going to do that, but again, pathway to championship. And the Alamo Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Fort Worth Bowl, is, is there a pathway to a championship? The answer is no. 
And until you get into that conversation, to make fun of Oklahoma all you want. It doesn't change the fact that Oklahoma consistently it has a pathway to a championship through their bowl game. Why Texas just has an Alamo Bowl trophy to show off. And they don't have to borrow that from the swim team. Well, let's talk about this class for, for just a, a brief minute. I, I know this is kind of an older older store now. You know, it, it happened earlier in the week. But Oklahoma, with the number 11 uh, ranked class, according to 24-7 Sports, number two in the Big 12, the Sooners signed 23 prospects in this class, which is actually the third most in the Big 12. Kansas State, 27. Kansas, 26. Oklahoma, 23. And one thing to consider when you talk about this class as well is that that's the transfers. You got three transfers at the wide receiver position highlighted by Theo Howard coming out of UCLA, going to have immediate eligibility. Um, Oklahoma with we we talked about the the um, the linemen and and so forth. That that's to me that's the key part of this class. When when you look at the breakdown between offensive and defensive linemen, Oklahoma got exactly what they needed out of this class. Again, why I'm not that's one of the reasons why I'm not worried even just a little bit about Oklahoma not being a top 10 recruiting class after being number six last year, not being the top class in the Big 12. I'm not bothered by it because I I know the strategy that Oklahoma used. And yes, they they lost out on some guys that they wanted. But the the truth is, this is a a class that that's going to be pretty salty. And when you look at Oklahoma's track record of developing talent and you compare that around the Big 12 uh, to, uh, you know, again, looking at you, Austin, Texas, um, you can't help but, but be okay with this class. One quarterback, one running back, four receivers, big area of need for Oklahoma to develop guys, five offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, Two linebackers, four defensive backs, and then you got two players that came in. Uh, Michael Henderson and DJ Graham came in as athletes. That will be, you know, I, I think I I have my opinion on where these guys are going to end up, but the reality is they're going to come in and have the opportunity to really kind of see what they can do on either side of the ball. I think there's going to be an opportunity for them on either side of the ball, but obviously the coaches know where they'd like to put them, and that's going to be the priority. 12 of Oklahoma's 23 players are from from the state of Texas, two from North Carolina, two from Oklahoma, Arizona, District of Columbia, Florida, Illinois, Maryland, Missouri, and Tennessee all get one player in this class. This is a class, again, in my opinion, that is going to be highlighted by offensive linemen. I, I think at the end of the day, when, when we when we go back and we reevaluate the 2020 recruiting class, we're going to look at the offensive linemen and maybe even the receivers. When you look at a guy like Marvin Mims, a four-star kid that I believe can come in. He's already enrolled in, in, in school. He's, he's there for the spring semester. He'll participate in spring ball. I think, you know, guys like that are what we're going to remember this class by. You know, Perry and Winfrey, 
defensive tackle, junior college guy, number one defensive tackle, junior college defensive tackle in the country. Glad to have him. But four years from now, Perry and Winfrey is going to be gone from the University of Oklahoma. So in 2024, when we're when we're looking back on this class, I really think it's going to be defined by the linemen. The offensive linemen, defensive linemen that are going to be developed and be the next crop for particularly for Bill Beatenbow on the offensive side of the ball. This is a good class. And and Oklahoma fans, I'm one of them, hate losing to Texas in anything. If it's Oklahoma, Texas, tic-tac-toe, you don't want to lose. But here's what it comes down to. Again, I'm just throwing this out there because this is reality. Would you rather win a recruiting title in February or would you rather win a Big 12 championship in December? Now, I know the correct answer. I I know what you're going to say to this, that the correct answer is you want to win both. Well, the last three years, this year included, Two of the last three years that Texas has finished number one in the Big 12 in February, Oklahoma's finished number one in the Big 12 in December. This year, 2020, to be determined. Let's move over to some basketball talk for just a quick second. Um, Oklahoma with a huge win Saturday over West Virginia. The Sooners finally getting that marquee victory that they needed for this season. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast one of the things that you know about is that I've I've been touting Oklahoma's resume. I've been saying they need to get to 20 wins. They, you know, they they need to have a marquee win on the season over a, a ranked team, and they got that today. Uh, I'm I recording this on Saturday, obviously. They got that with Kristen Doolittle's 27 points, 69 to 59 win over West Virginia, puts Oklahoma 15 and eight on the season, five and five. In conference play, I mean, you're you're right where you need to be if you're Oklahoma. You got to pick up five more wins on the season. You're at 500 in Big 12 play. You've got a huge opportunity on Wednesday night against Iowa State that puts you over 500 in conference play, puts you another win closer to that 20 win mark. But I've heard a lot of people say, uh, talk about, it. are are there five more wins left on Oklahoma's schedule? Especially when you consider the fact that. They've got to, you know, they've got to play Baylor and Kansas reverse order, Kansas and then Baylor back to back next week. Are there five? Are there five wins left? And I think absolutely there are. It starts with Iowa State on Wednesday night in Norman. That's a game that they lost in Ames. Which, if you if you were to ask me, hey, which one of Oklahoma's losses this season just really baffles you and makes you wonder, you know, what what the crap just happened? It's, it's the loss in Ames to Iowa State. That, that's, I mean, again, that that's a game that absolutely had to have been, should have been, and could have been a win for the Sooners. By the way, a close runner-up to that is going to be the loss to Kansas State in Manhattan. But Oklahoma, they, they need to get this win Wednesday night. And then you've, you're, you've got still the opportunity to go to Stillwater for Bedlam. Oklahoma State finally gets their first conference win of the season against TCU. But this is still a very bad Oklahoma State basketball team that doesn't shoot well. They play defense. They rebound, but they don't shoot well. Texas Tech and Texas, both in Norman, 
Texas, this is not the Texas Tech of last season. I, I've given up on on expecting them to be that. They're still a decent team, but so was West Virginia. West Virginia came to Norman and, and got beat. It's that simple. Now the Sooners still get to go to Morgantown, and I always feel like even even you know even though you won on your home court, if you beat a team, there's an advantage there. I mean, it's a mental advantage that can quickly be erased by the home crowd. And and this Oklahoma team is clearly a different team on the road than what they are in Norman. Everything from the way they play defense to the way they rebound to absolutely the way they shoot. So that's something that Long Curry has got to work through. But you got Iowa State, Texas Tech, and Texas games coming up at home. I, th- I think that's three wins that Oklahoma can get at Oklahoma State, at TCU. I think that's two road wins that Oklahoma can get. Uh, yeah, the answer is yes. There are five wins remaining on this schedule. And that puts Oklahoma right on. I mean, they're right, right now they're considered a bubble team. They're on that, quote, bubble watch right now. I'm telling you, you get to 20 wins, you finish above 500 in a conference that features the number one team in the nation right now with Baylor and then Kansas coming in behind them. You finish above 500 in that conference with 20 wins, you may be on the bubble, but you're definitely on the top side of the bubble. You're not in the middle, you're not on the bottom, you're on the top side. And that's where Oklahoma can find themselves. By the way, if, if if they get five more wins on the season... They're five and five in conference right now. I'll put them ten and eight in conference play. That's in the end. That that puts you in the NCAA tournament. And that's that's all you can ask for. Is this a national championship team? No. Is it a team that can make some noise and make a run in the tournament? Absolutely they can. And, and the reason why is you've got three guys who on any given night can just set the world on fire. We saw Doolittle do it with 27 points. We've seen Brandy Manning do it recently. We've seen Austin Reeves do it. I mean, Austin Reeves was just electric in the first Bedlam game. But he was overshadowed by Brady Manning's performance. There's three guys on this team that on any night can go off. For 20 plus points easily. And when you've got guys like that, yeah, making a run in the NCAA tournament is absolutely a possibility. I do have a another parting uh, thought on on football that I, that I'll close out with. Um, but before we we jump in there, I do want to I need to just bring out the fact that spring sports are are getting underway. Um, baseball starts next week. Oklahoma softball playing in the Puerto Vallarta uh, College Challenge. They're two and zero so far through their first two games. Uh, they're, they've got three left as I'm recording this. So through the first two games, all as well, nineteen to six is their average or is, is their total margin of victory, winning nine to three in the opener, ten to three uh, in their second game. Oklahoma. Whenever I watch this softball team, and, and we've been able to cover them, we've been fortunate to cover them um, very closely live and in person, been to the last several college World Series. Um, whenever I, I see this team early in the season, the question I always look at is, can they hit? 
is this a team that can hit? Because you you know Patty Gasto's got arms. Okay, she's got Shannon Sales, she's got G. Juarez, who we've not yet seen pitch. And I, and I think you know they're going they're going to they're going to rely heavily on the arm of Giselle Juarez throughout the season. And so when you're playing in this this early early season deals, you, I don't think that that's an arm that. Patty Gasso wants to go to on a regular basis early in the season. I do think it's an arm that Patty Gasso is going to go to quite frequently in the bigger games. And particularly once big 12 conference play starts and then throughout the regional super regional and most likely onto the women's college world series. I, I'm not saying you're not going to see Giselle Juarez in, in Mexico either. So don't hopefully you didn't get that impression because you're going to see her She's going to pitch. I think she pitches on Saturday in one of the two doubleheaders. She's going to get out there and she's going to get her arm loose. But this is a season that, like past seasons, Gasol's going to rely heavily on one or two to three pitchers. You know, she had the, she had the pages, Paige Lowry, um, you know, Paige Parker, and and they won a national championship with that. They they tried it last year with Giselle Juarez and Mariah Lopez, and they even mixed in Shannon Sale in that group. Now, Mariah Lopez is off to Arizona, but you still got Giselle Juarez and Shannon Sale. And I think that's that's where her bread and butter is going to be. So I don't I don't question pitching because pitching gets better as the season goes on. And so does hitting. But pitching comes along quicker than hitting. And so whenever I look at Oklahoma, and I'll do the same thing with baseball when they start. But when I look at this Oklahoma softball team, the question I I ask myself is, can they hit? Are they hitting? Are they getting on base? And it's really been a mixed bag. I mean, they've had some some huge innings in their first two games. But they also, like, in in the first game of this Puerto Vallarta Challenge, they left – they won 9-3. So it wasn't close. But they also left 12 runners stranded on base. Now, that's good and bad because it's good because you're getting runners on base, and there were a ton of walks in that game. And and so Patty Gasso has always preached patience, particularly with a, a, a girl like Jocelyn Allo, who just can crush the ball. And if you haven't had a chance to see her first home run of the season, it came in, in on Friday's game. Patience in the box is something that Patty Gasso really preaches. But I think the question – I've seen enough through two games, and we – like. We're going to watch the rest of them here in Puerto Vallarta. But this team can hit. And and that was the thing last year as this as the season went on. The thing with this 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 softball team last year, they were good, particularly from the pitching circle. They were good defensively, but they were just erratic from the plate. You you had power hitters like Sidney Romero, you had, you know, Jocelyn Allo, but it was just kind of an erratic, opportunistic hitting cycle that was never consistent. And when you look at 19 runs in the first two games, granted the competition isn't like what they're going to face in conference play, but still you got to be, you got to be pleased with the, with the result, knowing that they're going to just get better. And what one person to to look at is is a true freshman that Oklahoma's playing that to me has been the most impressive 
player on the on the diamond for the first two games. It's Kenzie Hansen. She had four, four RBI performance on Thursday night to open up the season. And then Friday afternoon against Long Beach State, she went three for four from the plate with three more runs batted in. So through two games, this kid's got seven RBI. And this is again, this is a this is a a team that that features an all conference player, probably an all American in Jocelyn Allo. But for Kenzie Hansen to come in and have the start that she's had for this this softball season, if you don't know that name and you're a fan of Oklahoma softball. You need you need to get on board with her because I think she's going to be a key that maybe Oklahoma didn't have last year. Bottom line is season's still young for Oklahoma softball. Baseball starts next year or next next year next week. I do. I'm still looking at Oklahoma State. I, I said this um, not that I would ever wish any ill will on anything sooner, but I, I think if there's a team this year that's going to break Oklahoma's conference winning streak. Keep in mind, they've gone two years undefeated in Big 12 play. If there's a team that's going to break that streak, Oklahoma State is who I have pegged to do that. I think they're going to be pretty good. So keep that in mind. I still don't think anybody beats Oklahoma for the Big 12 championship. I just don't know that I'm ready to say this team is going to go undefeated in conference play after seeing the rise of Oklahoma State, knowing what they've gotten back, knowing – the coach at the University of Texas and and what White can do as far as developing players and recruiting players. This is a deep and it's a good softball league if you're into that. If you're not, give it a try. Just do me a favor and give it a try because you know when May comes around, when when May comes around, spring football has ended and you're just getting ready to go in the dog days of summer, you're going to be looking for something to do, and you're going to wish you would have known more about Oklahoma softball at that point because you're going to be trying to get into it in May, and it's going to be too late for you because you don't know what you don't know. All right, last but not least, I want to close out by talking about something that I've been talking – I've been saying this for a while now. And I think it's all coming to a head, and the reality is is hitting everything on just how good of a job Lincoln Riley did in 2019 with this football team. To have them win another Big 12 title, to have them back in the college football playoff with the turnover and talent that he had. And again, it's not just losing a Heisman Trophy quarterback. It's not just losing a Bolitnikoff caliber receiver. It's not just losing four offensive linemen. It is the culmination of losing all of that and then replacing it with with talent that's that's good but not experienced enough to have accomplished what Lincoln Riley had accomplished the years before going back to 2017 and 18 and 19 now. Oklahoma had only had four players invited to the NFL Combine. Now, we, we made, and I think rightfully so, we made a pretty big deal at heartland-sports.com last week when it was revealed that Parnell Motley would not be making it to the NFL Combine. I think it's a snub. I think it's probably the worst, the biggest snub of all of the Combine um, uh, participants and, and non-participants. When you look at the way Parnell Motley ended his career, to me, there, there's no doubt that he deserves to be at the NFL Combine. Now, the NFL Combine doesn't mean that you're 
I mean, if, if you don't get invited to the NFL Combine, it doesn't mean you're undraftable. But the NFL Combine is typically for guys who the 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 league as a consensus says we think you're a top four guy. We we think you can go in the first four rounds, somewhere in those first four rounds where there's a, a pretty good amount of guaranteed money thrown your way. We want to get a closer look at you. Now, Parnell Motley, a guy like Parnell Motley, he still has the chance to work his way into one of those top four rounds. I think it would be round four, honestly, if that that's that's kind of his his ceiling there. But th- they they looked at Oklahoma's draft eligible players, and they found four guys. Four guys that they thought, you know what, in the first four rounds of the NFL draft, we think you have a chance. Now, you probably know who those players are. Neville Gallimore, Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, and Kenneth Murray. Four guys. Let me, let, me, let me put some perspective on this for you. Baylor had six. Baylor's getting six guys going to the NFL combine. Now, Oklahoma, you, you know about the comeback, right? 28 to 3, you come back, you beat Baylor in Waco, you beat them in, in Dallas in overtime for the Big 12 championship. With four guys, for four guys that the NFL deems worthy of a combine invite. When you look at the four teams in the playoff, it's it's the, obviously the lowest. Clemson had seven, Ohio State had eleven. LSU had 16, 16 players on the NF, on the LSU roster got a combine invite. Now you can you can twist this and you can look at it as man Lincoln Riley's got he's not doing a very good job. Now I I know like 95% of the Sooner Nation doesn't feel that way, but there's always going to be that one guy. There's always going to be that one guy. Says, yeah, you know, Joe from Anadarko is what I say. Yeah, Lincoln Riley, man, he needs to get fired. He only got four guys for the NFL. And again, apologies to everybody in Anadarko named Joe. But the point I'm making is this here, you know, they say the proof's in the pudding. This is the evidence. This is the smoking gun. This is the proof that you need to see to understand, to realize, to confirm what an amazing coaching job Lincoln Riley did in 2019. You lost one game. Lost to Kansas State, a game that easily could have been won. You got the onside kick controversy there, but you, you you ran the table basically, except for that one game. You continued your streak of Big 12 championships. And why Brian Carrington and the people down in Austin, Texas are are claiming their third consecutive Big 12 recruiting title. Hey, there, there's guys that are that are closing their locker for the very last time in Norman, Oklahoma, with five conference championship rings. And that fifth ring came with four players. Four players that the NFL deemed worthy to be invited to the combine. 
If you can't look at that and think that Lincoln Riley is doing a heck of a job and the future is bright at the University of Oklahoma, I don't know what else to tell you. Because let me put that in a different perspective, a different angle. All right? Texas, four combine invites. And they had a five-loss season. But they won the Alamo Bowl. Whatever. Five-loss season for Texas. Four combine invites. Fifth consecutive Big 12 championship for Oklahoma. Third consecutive playoff berth for Oklahoma. Four combine invites. Guys, it could have been much worse. Lincoln Riley's got it going, and he'll keep it going at the University of Oklahoma. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to the Sooner Nation podcast. Hit us up on Twitter, at Sports Heartland. On Twitter, also, uh, you can find us online on the net, heartland-sports.com. We'll be back to talk more sports next week after the weekend. See what happens with uh, basketball um, heading into Wednesday night, softball, uh, finish up Port of Art. We'll have more thoughts and everything next week. Have a great weekend. Boomer Sooner, everybody.